Second Corinthians four. Are you there? Y'all okay tonight? What you want to do? Gonna get into the word? Let's pray a prayer and believe the Lord for utterance. You know, the utterance in the service is not just all up to the preacher. Did you know that? Utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. You know, the Apostle Paul said on more than one occasion, he said, I would have said this to you. I would have gotten into this or gotten into that, but you couldn't hear it. And so uh, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. And all of us, you know, I, we got a job to do and uh, you got a job to do as a hearer. And the Holy Ghost has a job and he's faithful to do his job if we do ours. Let's look to him and agree in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being a Christian, child of God. Thank you that you are our very own father. and Jesus is our, our elder brother and our Lord and master. And you've made us a part of the family. And you've sent us the mighty Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. And we ask uh, you for utterance, precise and specific, just what we need tonight. And we ask for everybody, for ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart that understands and receives. Thank you for the anointing that teaches and the anointing that helps and enables and imparts and heals and corrects and delivers and strengthens and uplifts. And we look to him, the greater one, tonight. And we give you all the glory and we say by your grace we'll not just be hearers only, but we're doers in Jesus' name. And we know as we do we're blessed. Amen. Everybody say I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. You see mention of the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 8. Before you get to this 13th verse. You see a description of how faith reacts and responds to challenges in life. Walking by faith and living by faith does not mean you'll never have any problems. Walking by faith, living by faith does not mean you'll never have an attack or that you'll never have anything to deal with. What it does mean, if you will live by faith and get in faith and stay in faith and not quit, what it does mean is you will win every time. You will overcome every time because thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph, the scripture said. How many believe that verse, always? Amen. Someone said, well, I know somebody didn't win. Well, you know somebody that quit. Amen. You don't know anybody that gets in faith on the word, stays in faith, and didn't get results. You never met anybody like that. You never will. Because God is faithful. If he said he will always cause you to triumph, then you can count on that. Amen. People say, well, you win a few and you lose a few. Win some and you lose some. That's the way the old ball bounces. Yeah, but we ain't bouncing the old ball no more. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. And if you'll believe right and talk right, you can win and win and win and win. 
I didn't say it just going to fall on you. I didn't say you wouldn't have to stand. I didn't, I didn't say it'd be all easy. But if you just keep standing, you win. And if next year something bigger than that comes along, you just stand your ground. And you may look rough and feel rough for a while, but you just stand your ground and keep believing. And you'll win. And if five years from now something bigger comes along than you ever imagined, and it just, I mean, the clouds are dark, it seems bad, you just stand and you win that one too. Because always is always. And if ten years from now the most awful thing you ever imagined, could never imagine, comes up and you have to stand and believe and pray and speak and stand, if you just stand and won't quit, you'll win that one too. Because always is always. Everybody say always. I actually have that on my desk. I have a little frame about that big. And inside it says always with an exclamation mark and it faces me all the time. And I have whooped the devil with that repeatedly. Have you ever noticed? He'll come. I don't mean you're seeing things and hearing things. But thoughts come and feelings come. Not this time. Yeah, the money ain't going to come in this time. You're not going to be healed this time. That's one of his favorite things. Not this time. I mean, the Lord's healed you a hundred times, and then in here, not this time. Well, it ain't going to work this time. Well, the money ain't going to be here in time this time. Not this time. Not this. Yeah, but what does the Bible say? Always. Always. God is faithful. Amen? And if you won't quit, he will always cause you to try. So he says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but... Not in despair. Verse 9. Persecuted. But. Not forsaken. Cast down. But. Not destroyed. Attacked. But. Makes all the difference. Which side of that word you're on. You know what I mean by that? B-U-T. But. You ever heard people say. Well, now, I know all that, but I know the Lord said he healed me, and and I know he said he'd supply all my needs, and I know he'd never leave me and forsake me, but I just feel so lonely. I just feel so. See, what are they saying? All that really means nothing to them. The only thing that matters to them is what they feel. What they see, they're walking by sight. You got to turn that deal around. Turn it around. Get on the other side of that word. And say, you know, I I feel lousy. They say I don't look too good. We got all these bills piled up. The doctor gave me a bad report. I got all these symptoms. What? But. But. The word says. With long life, he'll satisfy me. Show me his salvation. Amen. Amen. But, he said he would meet all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm a giver. And he said he'd be given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men, people would give to me. The Lord said that. Amen? Amen. So which side of that word are you on? It'll show whether you're in faith or unbelief. You see which side Brother Paul was on. He said, trouble? You bet. we got trouble on every side. But I'm not distressed about it. How can that be? He's a faith man. We're perplexed. But I'm not despondent. I'm not despairing over it. We're persecuted. But I know I'm not alone. God's with me. He hadn't forsaken me. 
We've been cast down. But I'm not destroyed. It ain't over. God's on the throne. The word's true. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. See, he believed it so much, he said it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. (laughs) Well, it comes out. Speaketh. It will come out. I mean, you might be able to put on a pretty good show in front of your, you know, church friends. But in the middle of the night, when the bad reports are coming, then whatever's in your heart's going to come out. When the pressure's on, that's what's going to come out. That's why you don't want to wait till you have a problem. Be feeding yourself all the time. Getting faith in you all the time. Amen. And then when something comes up, then then the the word will come out. Faith will come out. Uh, He said... Therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Everybody say spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. faith. See, not, not just principle of faith, not just mindset of faith. Faith is not of the mind. Faith is not of the intellect. Faith is of the heart. Romans 10 says, what is it, Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man believes. You don't believe God with your mind. Especially you're talking about my my heart that pumps blood. No. You can't believe God with your physical heart any more than you could believe God with a kidney. Or with a lung. Heart talks about the core, the center of your being. Or like Peter says, the hidden man of the heart. Talking about the inner man. There's an inner man. There's an outer man. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. Somebody said, well, I saw you. Well, no, you saw my body. I'm inside. Amen. Amen. You're a spirit being. God's a spirit. You're created in his image and likeness. And you believe God with your with the inside, your, your heart. And uh, faith is not just knowledge. You can know a lot of stuff and not have faith. You understand? I mean, you can study, you can read books, you can have letters after your name and be able to read Hebrew and Greek and Chaldean and Aramaic and everything else and still not know God. Nothing wrong with education, but you understand it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Right? And that he's real to you. And faith in God is the result of knowing him. Knowing him through his word. Knowing him through fellowship in prayer and in walking with him in life. You can't trust somebody beyond how much you know them. And see, you can see why people have difficulty in faith. If you don't know God, you can't have faith in God. And you get to know him, number one, through this book. Amen. He's revealed to us in this book. He's revealed to us in Jesus. So uh, the spirit, everybody say spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is not just taught, it's caught. You know what I mean by that? You, you, that's what we're doing in just a moment. Now we're going, you can go ahead and turn over there to Hebrews 10. And you know the end of it, we just looked at the last few verses and then going into that 11th chapter, which is that great hero hall of fame of faith chapter. 
And you see the spirit of faith in that chapter. Don't you? The same spirit of faith that was in Enoch, that was in Abraham, that was in Sarah, that was in Joseph, that was in Gideon, that was in David. That same spirit of faith is in you and I as born again believers today. Not a different spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith that was in Peter when he preached on the day of Pentecost. Same spirit of faith that was in Paul as he traveled the known world and built churches and saw miracles. Same spirit of faith that was in and on the Lord Jesus himself. That spirit of faith that he preached with, that he ministered to the sick with, that he raised the dead with, that same spirit of faith is in you and in me. Oh, my, my. (laughs) Then we ought to be able to believe for the money to pay our bills. Right? If he could raise the dead with it. (laughs) We ought to be able to believe for our knee to be healed. Amen? Or for our eye to straighten up. Whatever it is. But the thing is, people don't haven't thought that way. And they haven't fed their faith. And they haven't exercised their faith. So it remains weak. Faith is like a muscle. You have to feed it. And you have to exercise it. And if you keep feeding it and exercise, using it, feeding it and using it, feeding it and using it, month after month, year after year, it'll grow stronger. It'll grow stronger. And the things that used to seem impossible to you will seem possible. The things that used to seem out of reach will seem within reach. But it's according to your faith. Now turn with me to Hebrews 10, please. And let's continue talking about the spirit of faith. It's not just based on what you know. It's real in your heart. Faith is discernible. You remember uh, the scripture talks about in Jesus' ministry that uh, those four individuals brought that man, paralyzed man, up on the top of the house where Jesus was and tore off the roof, let him in. You remember that? And as they were letting him down, I mean, he's in there teaching and ministering. Can you imagine if somebody tore off the roof right now? (laughs) <laughs> and started lowering somebody. That that disrupt the service, wouldn't it? And this guy, you know, he's on there and he's looking down, smiling, because that's where he wants to be, is where Jesus said. He sees him. And the scripture said, Jesus saw their faith. Remember that? Faith is discernible. You see it in action. You see it in the spirit of faith. You can see it on people's face. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. You can see it in, in their countenance and the way they deal with things. And, and let me say this, and this will help you. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's the spirit. We just got through reading it. Can you see? It's the spirit of the overcomer. You show me a person that's all down and all depressed and all poor mouthing and, and talking sickness and death and, and, and just down. I don't care if they did quote a scripture to you. There's no faith there. Did you hear me? Faith is confident. Amen. When you ask somebody, well, well what about all those bills? Faith will say, well, the money's coming in to pay for them. What are you going to do? Unbelief will cry and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. Dear God, I've prayed the best I know how, and I've fasted. I just don't, I'm just believing God. No, you're not. 
No, honey, you're not. You're crying. (laughs) And feeling sorry for yourself. Faith is not for the weak and faint. Sometimes you feel like crying. But sometimes you've got to get yourself by the ear and say, get up from there and quit that. That's not believing God. God's done too much for you. He's come through for you too many times for you to lay there and act pitiful and act like that. Get up from there. Say what you know. Make your tongue do its duty. Say what the word says. Don't say what you feel. Amen. Any of us could act pitiful. Any of us could be a whiny baby. At any time. I could have called to Phyllis, you know, from the bedroom this afternoon and said, I don't feel like going to church tonight. (laughs) We have so much to do and so much to believe God for. I just, I just, I need some help. Is that the kind of pastor you want? (laughs) Have you ever heard me come in here and talk pitiful? Oh, we're going under. We're not going to be able to pay our bills. I don't know what in the world we're going to do if y'all don't quit start giving a little better. <laughs> no, you hadn't heard that and you're not going to hear that. God. No. Because we don't just preach faith. We live by faith. Amen. Amen. What are you going to hear me say? What do you hear me say all the time? Every bill is paid. Every need is met. Every debt paid off. Chunks are coming. Paid in full. Amen. That's what I believe. That's what's happening. That's what's going to keep happening. Amen. Wonder if that worked for you. Sure. Works. These are not preacher scriptures. These are not church scriptures. These are believer verses. Anybody that'll do it, it'll work for them. Amen. Everybody said out loud, no poor mouthing. No crying and feeling sorry for myself. No whining. Don't don't make excuses for that. Now sure, you know, there are times when you feel like acting that way. Don't yield to those feelings. Stand up and do what you know you're supposed to. Give give God the legal right to come through for you. In Hebrews, the uh, 10th chapter. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, 35 says, What? Cast not away, therefore your confidence. Can't be confident if you're depressed. Everybody say, I'm confident. The money's coming in. I'm confident. My body is, is being healed. Amen. Confident. Don't, don't throw your confidence away. Because that confidence has a great recompense, a repayment of reward. Is there a reward for just keeping standing and believing God? Oh man, it pays off. You have need of patience, perseverance, hang in there, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Everybody say, that's me. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We talked about this. Unbelief 
draws back. Unbelief casts its confidence away and says, well, I tried, but just, you know. Do you understand in life, there is no A for effort. In life, there is no A for effort. You either got it done or you didn't. Right? You either got healed or you died. You either got your bills paid or you got kicked out. Right? If you tell them, I tried. Well, that don't go far in this world. And so you can't just believe God for a little while and quit. You have to stay with it. And you don't draw back. You step out. Faith steps out. We talked about that. We preached about that one night. Faith steps out. And going into this 11th chapter, he begins to describe faith and then give us living example after living example of the spirit of faith. And the reason we're camping out in this is because we want to rub shoulders with these guys. Amen. Because we got the same spirit of faith they have. Just hadn't, most people hadn't realized it, hadn't known it. But we want to rub shoulders with Enoch who walked with God. And rub shoulders with Abel and rub shoulders with Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and, and all those guys until we recognize what faith sounds like, what it looks like. Amen? Amen. And sense faith in ourselves and live like they did. Can we live like they did? Can we have miracles like they did? Have answers to prayer and live victoriously like they did? Yes, because we got the same spirit of faith. And what is the victory that overcomes the whole world? Even our faith, the scripture said. Now in Hebrews 11, let's read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. The evidence of things not seen. If you're in faith... You don't see it yet. You don't feel it yet. You can't put your hand on it yet. But you are expecting to see it. You're fully persuaded of something in your heart. You're persuaded God has heard your prayer. You're persuaded your words have had an effect and an impact. And because you believe you have already received it inside... And that puts you in a state of expecting to see it out here. If you're in faith about your finances being taken care of, you're expecting money. Hmm? Even when there's no reason that you know of in the natural to expect it, still you're expecting it. Right? Even when there'd be no reason in the natural for you expect to get a house like that, still you're expecting to get one like that. Some way. You don't know how, but God knows how. Right? Even though it seems like there's no way you could write a check that big and you could support that missionary or that, that work and you could pay. Even though it seems like, how could you do it? Still, you're expecting to do it. Phyllis and I started that years ago expecting to write a one-time check of a certain amount. Where is it going to come from? You don't have to know that. Just believe for it. Keep saying it. And sometimes months pass, sometimes years pass. But just stay after it and then you'll do it. And then you'll move up. And then you'll move up. Keep reading. He said, by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, that's talking about a good report from God. What makes God give you the thumbs up? Huh? Jesus is the express image of the Father. And you remember there were times that he looked around at his disciples and said, now that's faith. 
I hadn't seen faith like that in the whole country. Whoo! Great is your... Did faith impress the Lord? Did it bless him? Did it minister? The scripture said, when he comes to the earth, shall he find faith? I mean, it's a big deal to God. Right, right on down in the chapter, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible. Didn't say it was hard. It's impossible to please him. So there is no prayer that can please God unless it's prayed in faith. There's no work in the church that can please him unless it was done in faith. There's no giving that's done that could please him unless it's done in faith. You couldn't write a check big enough to please God if it was done without faith. It's the faith that pleases him. Don't you want to please him? Don't you want him to smile and be happy with you and go, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's my boy. That's my girl. They got faith. He goes on to say, through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God, through his faith-filled words, created the planets, created worlds. They weren't seen at one time, but now they are. How did it happen? Go back to Genesis. God said, let there be light, or the Hebrew literally, light be. God believed it in himself, and he said it with his mouth, and released faith through his words, and created planets. Whoo! That same spirit of faith is in it. Now, we hadn't developed to that point. We hadn't created a BB yet. But it's the same Spirit of faith. Just different levels of it. And I assure you, it, any development you, you accomplish in faith on this planet is nothing lost. You take it with you into the next, next time and the next part of the kingdom of God. Beyond this life. This is faith school, actually. The Lord left some demons down here and some sickness and some curse for us to practice on. <laughs> And so when you run across some problems, you go, oh, why do I have to deal with it? No, it's something for you to use your faith on. Another opportunity for you to believe God, overcome, and see victory, and get results, and honor God. Amen. Look at it as an opportunity, not something to gripe about. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. Verse 4, you know, God framed the worlds with his faith-filled words. You and I frame our worlds. With our word, you frame your world with your words. Verse four, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How did he do it? By faith. By By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. God testifying of his what? Gifts. His giving. God testifying of his giving? You know, some of the people that try to make light of giving. And so, oh, that's all them preachers want. They just want your money. They just want your money. Well, there are some preachers that just want your money. And there's some lawyers that just want your money. And there's some doctors that just want your money. And there's some mechanics that just want your money. Right? (laughs) But there's also some good people in every field too, right? That are not just hirelings. 
But a lot of times that's just an excuse. People are just stingy and selfish and looking for an excuse to keep doing what they're doing, which is nothing. And what they don't realize, God takes it personally. Amen. You're looking at, uh, at people, but he takes it personally. And, and, you know, maybe there are some people that you don't feel like you can trust. Maybe there are some people that you don't have confidence in. Okay, fine. But find some you do. If you have to leave the country, if you have to leave the state, if you, whatever you have to do, you find where you fit. Amen. And find where you can hook up. And find where you can put God first in all your life, including your money. And where you can tithe and support and give like you're supposed to. I'm not going to tell you where that is, but you find out where that is and don't stop till you do. You won't reach your full potential unless and until you do. But Abel is in this chapter because of his giving. Isn't he? Don't get quiet on me now. I mean, we've already received the offering. Don't be scared. Right? This is a good thing, right? You want to learn about faith, don't you? Well, why is Abel in the book? Because of his faith to give. Enoch had faith to fellowship with God. Abraham had faith to step out and obey God. Sarah had faith to receive from God. Noah had faith to prepare and get ready. The list goes on. Faith is developed in in different areas. And some people are stronger in one area of faith than another person is. But Abel is in here because of giving faith. Right? Giving faith. And, you know, that's where, you know, people sometimes are working on folks and trying to condemn them and say, well, you know, go, go to Malachi sometimes and read it and say, ah, will a man rob God? You bunch of God robbers, you're robbing from God and you're cursed with a curse. And boy, your transmission is going to break and your dog's going to die because you're cursed. <laughs> and, you know, you, you do, people, you know, some preachers, bless their hearts, that's that's. Their, their main way of motivation and try to get people to feel bad and condemn like well you got all this money and you're not giving you ought to be giving you saw a rascal you give you're supposed to be giving if you don't give something's liable to happen to you if you don't give you're liable to lose it well and you got people that'll wind up giving out of condemnation They're, you got people that wind up giving like paying off the mafia you know what I mean by that you know, protection money. In some rough parts of town, these, you know, three big guys walk in with a baseball bat and they say, we're selling insurance today. And they go, insurance? I don't need any insurance. Yeah, you do. You need to buy it from us. Because, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> you need protection. You could come back and your store could be totally destroyed. Or somebody could break in your house and beat you with a a ball bat or something. <laughs> and so people, you, you know, out of fear, out of intimidation, they pay them money every week, part of what they make, to keep them off of them. And you know, some people pay tithes like that. Not because they love God, not out of faith, but they go, oh, you better write God his tithe check, keep him happy. <laughs> you know, because, you know, ooh, bad stuff will happen to you. That's The Lord doesn't want that. He wants you to give because you love Him. Give because you know He's your source. Give because you know you wouldn't have anything if He hadn't given it to you. Give because you want to honor Him and give in faith. That's what pleases Him about the offering. Amen. 
That's why I take all these time and talk before the offering. It's not, I'm not trying to get more money out of you. I'm trying to get more faith out of you. Amen. Amen. I don't care if you're giving a dollar or a dime or a hundred or a thousand or a million. Still, it's the faith that's going to please God in the giving. Can you say amen? amen? Abel is held up to us as an example for all generations that God was pleased with him. And even to this day, God himself testifies about Abel's gifts. Now, is that big stuff or what? Let's go back to Genesis and remind ourselves of how this happened. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent, everybody say excellent, and more excellent. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain, and God even testified of the gifts. I tell you, just uh, just hold your place in Genesis 4 and go to Acts, the 10th chapter, please. Let me remind you of something. Acts is in the New Testament, right? Hebrews is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's in the New Testament, right? Jesus, as is recorded in the four gospel accounts, Watched the offerings. You remember? Talked about Jesus stood there by the plate. And watched what people put in. Watched how much they put in. Now I hadn't started that yet. But I got a good example. You know Jesus did it. Jesus stood and watched what people put in the plate. And the rich people put stuff in. And you remember that, that widow came along. And put those two mites in. Which is like a penny or less. And he you know, took the time. To start speaking and teaching his disciples. And everybody else that was listening. When he saw that hit the, the, the plate. And he said this woman. Has given more than everybody else. Why? Well she gave everything she had. And it was her heart. Right? You believe she was given in faith? Oh, yeah. And it, it, it impressed him. And it pleased. Now, he's not asking everybody to give everything they have every day. But the heart. You need to be willing. Right? If the Lord tells you, go do this, then you go do it. Go take care of this. Go pay this off. Then you do it. Right? Somebody said, well, he never tells me that. Well, there's a reason why. <laughs> a lot of times the Lord is merciful and doesn't ask people to do things because he knows they wouldn't do it. And then they'd just be responsible. Did you hear me? And people don't because they're scared. They're scared. I worked hard for that money. Now, I'm not just talking about giving in a church setting. I'm not just talking about giving in an offering. I'm talking about the Lord dealing with you to go over to a fellow church member. Amen. And do something for them. Help catch them up. Because people are believing God. Right? I said people are believing God. And he's going to use people like you. And a lot of times he winds up, winds up using the same people over and over again. Because they'll listen and obey. And a lot of other people won't. I'm convinced many times the Lord goes through several people. 
dealing with them to do something until he gets somebody that will obey him. And sometimes winds up going back to the same people he just got through using. Because they will obey. I know this happens. I've seen it happen that way. And the problem is, is, is he wanted that person to get the blessing and he knows what's coming up in their future and he wanted to set them up, but unless they'll obey, but it gets down to the point where this other person's believing him and he can't let it go any longer and he has to get it to them. So he has to go use somebody else. I've seen that many times. Everybody said out loud, Lord, you can count on me. Everything I have is available to you. At your disposal. I will do. With it. What you direct me to do. And I'm not afraid. To obey you. Because I know. You can get it back to me. And much more than that. Amen. Well see that takes faith though doesn't it. I know some years ago. Passed a friend of mine. On the other side of the country called and Phyllis and I, I were actually trying to take a day or two of vacation, which was rare. And this, this brother called and he wasn't asking me for anything, but he was needing some money for a certain thing. He was needing it a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I knew that you'd believe with me. And he, and he wasn't asking me for a thing. He, he said, I, I want you to believe with me. Would you stand with me on this? I'm, I'm up against this thing. I said, yeah. So I prayed with him, and while I'm praying, I'm checking my heart. Lord, do you you want me to do something about this? Any time you find out about something, you you are aware of a need or a situation. Uh, check your heart. Someone said, "Well, the reason I found out about it that means I'm supposed to do something." No, no, it means you should check your heart, right? Yes. To see, because there are times, yeah, that's why the Lord lets you find out about it, but. A need is not a leading. Somebody needing something is not a leading for you to do something about. A desperate situation is not a leading. A deadline is not a leading. You need to be led not by needs. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit on the inside. Check inside. So while we're praying with him, I check my heart. Lord, do you want me to do something about this? And very distinctly, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, I knew the Lord was saying to me, no, I've already dealt with somebody else about this. And I'm dealing with them right now. I thought, praise God, all right, I'm expecting with you. Lord, deal with them. Well, it wasn't, but just a day or two passed. I got up that morning, and Phyllis and I were actually still, you know, trying to have some vacation. And, and the Lord dealt with me. Wire him the money this morning. I thought, huh? It was pretty substantial. It was most of what I had in the account. Pretty much cleaned me out. I said, Lord, I I thought you said you're dealing with somebody else. I mean, did I misunderstand you on that? And I don't mean I'm hearing voices now, but the, the scripture said he bears witness with our spirit. And if you'll spend some time praying and get quiet, you'll know things inside. He'll commune with you. Amen. Not talking about feeling things, not talking about hearing voices. But uh, but the Lord let me know. He said, yes, I have been dealing with this person for weeks. And it's gotten to the point where I, I can't wait on them any longer. Will you do this? Will you obey me and I'll bless you? I said, yes, sir. And I, I wired it to him. We had it in their account that morning. And I tell you what, I, I didn't have much money in the bank that day. 
And actually it was some money that I was believing to put aside to do a certain project. And now I got to start over. And I didn't have much money in the bank, but I felt good. All You know why? You know why I felt so good? Because I felt like God had told me he could count on me. If he needed something, he could tap me on the shoulder and I'd obey him. Amen. Don't you want to be God's man, God's woman, that he can count on you? Amen. Whichever direction it is. Now in Acts 10. Acts 10. This is the story of a man named Cornelius. Centurion of the band called the Italian. He's a soldier. These guys were rough guys. You didn't get to be a centurion by being a wimp. He's, he's a fighter. He's, he's a man's man. I mean, he's rough. You don't want to face him in battle. He'll cut you nine ways from Sunday. I mean, he'll <laughs> walk over you on the way to hurt somebody else. But he's a believer. Can you be a believer and be a good soldier? Yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. This man is a man who is decorated in battle and a fighter and a leader of men, but he loves God and he believes in God. And the Bible said, verse 2, he's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms, which what? Gave much alms to the people and prayed to God. You show me somebody that sold out to God, I'll show you a giver every time. A prayer and a giver. Amen. Somebody loves God with all their heart. They're sold out to God. They are a prayer and they are a giver. And it goes on to say, he had a vision. Ninth hour, what's that, three in the afternoon, I guess. In the day, an angel came in and said, Cornelius, that gets your attention. He looked on him and he was afraid. Here's a man hardly afraid of anything. But when he saw the angel of the Lord, he was scared. He said, what is it, Lord? He said, now get this, your prayers and your alms, your giving, have come up for a memorial before God. People will say, well, I know my prayers have come up. He said, your prayers and your giving has come up before God. And so God moved in this spectacular, supernatural. This man was walking in all the light that he had. He didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know about the new birth. But he loved God and was walking in all the light that he had. And was praying and giving and helping the people of God. And his prayers and his obedience and his service to God and his giving had come up before the Most High God. And the Lord said to an angel, you go tell him. To send people to Peter's house. And he set up the the events. So that Peter would come back and preach to them. And he and his whole house could get saved. Amen. What initiated this? Prayers. And giving. Now now you have to be careful when you say that. Because people say well then I'm going to initiate a healing. By giving an offering. No you're thinking wrong. You can't buy a healing. No. This man wasn't trying to buy anything. Right. He wasn't trying to buy a thing. He loved God. And when you love God, you love the people of God. Amen. Amen. And you want to do something for him. And he's praying and he's giving and he's praying. How many understand? You cannot serve God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and God do nothing for you. It's going to come up. 
And even though days and weeks and months and even years may pass, it's going to come up before the Lord. And there will be times in your life that the Lord will say, do this. He'll send angels. He'll deal with people in your life. And, and I mean miracles will happen. Floodgates will open. Amen. People say it. They sing about it. You can't outgive God. That's a fact. It's a fact. Genesis 4. Why is Abel in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter? Because of his faith. But his faith was expressed in his giving. And in Genesis 4, we've said it, but let's say it again. Genesis 4 and 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Cain brought an offering. Abel, he also brought an offering. But, but there's, you know, look how much more description is in Abel's verse. It just said Cain brought what? He just brought something. He brought something that he offered to God and there's nothing said about it. But Abel, he brought of what? The firstlings of his flock and of the what? The fat thereof. We said it, it'll bear repetition. Abel loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when it came offering time, what he had, he didn't have dollar bills. This, this is, there was no currency at this time. He had sheep. That's what he had. That's his wealth. And he went out to his flock and he looked it over. And he saw Speedy over there. <laughs> Speedy's a good sheep, but he's got a blemish on one side. And he saw Boo Boo. Boo Boo's a good sheep, but He's off colored and he's a little skinny and Pee Wee, of course, was too small. <laughs> Buffy was a good sheep, but and then he saw Fluffy. Ah, <laughs> oh, Fluffy. Fluffy's the prettiest sheep that you ever saw. Fluffy. Is the kind they take pictures of and frame. Fluffy is the kind that wins at the state fair. Fluffy was the perfect example of everything a sheep ought to be. And he said, that's it, that's it. That's God's sheep. I'm giving Fluffy to God. Well, Fluffy was his best. You know, from the natural, he'd kind of like to keep Fluffy. Fluffy's the best. But he willingly, nobody made him. He willingly, because he wanted to, because he loved God, went and got Fluffy and brought Fluffy to God and gave Fluffy to God. And the Bible said, the Lord, not talking about a man, the Lord had respect to Abel. Now, when God respects your friend, that's something. When God respects your actions and what you did, he's seen it all. He's heard it all. And when God sits back and says, I respect that. Out of a man. His man. Had respect to Abel and, and what? And to his offering. God said, I, I respect that. I respect Abel, my boy, and I respect that offering. 
And I received that. Has God changed? No. Now we're not just talking about giving. And we're not just talking about gifts now. We're talking about everything we do. Until the, everything we do until the Lord is, is an offering of some kind. Doesn't have to be money or monetary. Go to Malachi, please. Malachi. If you don't know where that's at, just go to Matthew and start backing up. Reckon we'll ever get out of the 11th chapter of Hebrews? <laughs> I wouldn't care. Malachi. Chapter 1, verse 6. Malachi 1, 6. Are you okay? Is this okay? If you get to where you've had enough and you say, that's enough for tonight. I want to leave. You can leave. That's all right. I won't be offended and upset. Might miss something good, though. Malachi 1, 6 says, A son honors his father. That's who it should be. A servant his master. You can also say, An employee his employer. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where's my fear? Where's my respect? The Lord says, the Lord of hosts to you, O priests. He's talking to the preachers that despise my name. And they said, what? We didn't despise your name. Where have we despised your name? He said, in your offerings. You have put, you offer polluted bread on my altar. You offer junk. You take the bad stuff. And then you say, where have we polluted you? And that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. If you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? You know, there's a whole healing sermon right here. You know where to offer up our body? A living sacrifice? Holy and what? Acceptable. Acceptable unto God? Sickness is not acceptable to Him. Hmm? You couldn't offer a sick animal. I didn't say you weren't acceptable. The sickness in the body is unacceptable. Your, your spirit's acceptable by being washed in the blood. Amen. And your offering of your body is made acceptable by faith. And someone said, what if I got sickness in my body? Does that mean it's... No, you're accepted. The sickness is not. So what do you do? Call your body whole. Amen. Speak to the sickness. Command it to get out of you. If you haven't done it, do it. He said, you offer the lame and the sick and the blind. He said, it's evil. Why was it evil? They could do better. Right? They had beautiful fine animals in their flock. They had fluffies. But they wanted to keep fluffy. And they said, well, it's just the offering. It's just, you know. That's good enough for the church. That's, you know. Tipping. Doing something. Well, that's all right. Now, here's something I intended to get to. Faith is inseparable. Strong faith, I should say, is inseparable from a clear conscience. You cannot be a man or woman of strong faith 
and live and walk in strong faith without having and maintaining a clear conscience. I read to you three or four scriptures last week about that. In fact, I'll just, don't turn there, but let me just read them to you again. Everybody say faith and a clear conscience. See, the two are inseparable. You can't separate them. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 1.5. Don't turn there. Just listen. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and unfeigned faith. Verse 19 talks about hold faith and a good conscience. 1 Timothy 3.9 says, Hold the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. I could go on. Faith and a clear conscience. If anything is bothering your conscience, it's going to undermine your faith. It's inseparable. And why not, why am I saying this? Because if you're not doing your best, you know it. Right? In any area of serving God. If you're not, if you're playing with stuff, if you're just messing with it and you don't care, you're trying to maintain an attitude, but you hardly have time for it and you don't want to fool with it and it's an irritation to you and you just kind of throw something that way at it, whether it's praying or church or whatever it is, serving God, then your own heart knows that you're not giving God even 50%. And that will undermine your faith. But when you step up like Abel, and he by faith he did what? He gave a what? More excellent. Whether you're somebody's working in the sound booth, they're working with the kids, they're working in the parking lot, they're visiting somebody in the hospital, they're praying, they're reading the Bible, you're giving an offering. Unto the Lord, it's unacceptable unless you do the best you know how. Because he knows what you can do and what you can't. Right? And, and if you just play with it and just mess with it and don't, don't do the best you know unto him, what you just got through saying to him is, I don't love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not first in my life. I have other stuff, my main stuff I do, and then I also go to church once in a while, and I also, well, you can't have strong faith living like that. Oh, but friends, when you know in your heart, you're doing the best you know how to do. If you didn't meet the mark, it wasn't because you didn't try. You, you, you just, you, you didn't know enough. But for what you knew, you were giving it all you had. Then friend, when it comes time to believe God for a healing or believe God for money to come in to pay your bills, your confidence level will be right there. Amen? Because you know you're doing the best you know to serve God. And your heart is clear and your conscience is not bothering you. And so your faith works. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. Right? I mean, he knows. Go to 1 John 3 and I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. You know, Paul said halfway through Philippians, he said, finally, brothers. (laughs) He did. Go read it. And he wasn't but half through. (laughs) <laughs> well, don't get scared. I didn't say that, but it's just a warning that it could happen sometime. First John, the third chapter. Are you there? Oh, thank you, Lord. Does this help you at all? It, it helps me. I mean, I, I need to remind myself of these things. And 
Can, can you see why there's a lot of talk about faith and then people want to talk about why this didn't work and why that didn't work and, and I'm a person of faith but why didn't that work? And, and it, you don't know all the other stuff that went before. And you don't know what's in their heart and you don't, you know, God knows. But these principles, somebody says, well, I just don't know about that. Name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and confess it, possess it stuff. You say anything you want to and believe it and it'll happen. Well, hey, th- there's no danger of people abusing this. Because <laughs> it only works with a pure heart. Did you hear me? Go to uh, go to Mark 11 before you go to 1 John 3. <laughs> I warned you. And uh, I just got through referring to it. But see how, I want you to see it in the scripture. Don't just think that's what Brother Keith said. See it in the scripture. Mark 11. Oh, I got another one too. <laughs> After you go to Mark, we're going to go to Matthew 5. You do understand, I'm not smart enough to think of all this. Do you understand that? I'm, I'm not, nor are you. The Lord helps us. It's the, the anointing and he leads us and guides us. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to think of all this. The Lord brings it to me. And he brings it to you. Mark 11, are you there? This is what we were just talking about. Verse 22. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whoever, who does this work for? Not just preachers. Whoever that would say to the mountain. Now tell me who's talking here. Not some preacher you heard about. This is the master. Jesus said, if you will say to a mountain, be removed, be cast or thrown into the sea and not doubt in your heart. See, faith is of what? The heart. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe where believe in your heart that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. What if you said money come in more than enough to pay all my bills? Come in, come in to me now in Jesus name. And you didn't doubt, but you believed that what you said had come to pass. Would it happen for you? Yes. Cancer, die. Tumor, die in my body, dry up and die and leave. Body be whole and be healed in Jesus' name. What if you believed in your heart? With all your heart, you believed that that would happen. And you said it. What did Jesus say? Well, now keep reading though. Keep reading. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire. Well, I want to give a big check to the church. I want to give a big check to the missionary. I want to give this to that minister that. Well, but I don't make enough money. I can't afford it. No, don't say that. Start saying, I will give this. This will, I claim this much money out of this world system to come into my hands so I can give this, so I can write this check. Start saying it. Start believing it. Whatever you desire. Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Verse 25, and. Everybody say and. See, he's still talking, right? I mean, he hadn't just changed subject. And when you stand praying, believing that you receive these things, do what? Does this go together? Forgive if you have all, that means anything. If you have anything against anybody, forgive so your Father which is in heaven may forgive you. And I could also say, so your faith could work too. Right? Would it make any difference? 
If you're holding grudges and your heart's bothering you because you hadn't treated somebody right and you, you've taken advantage of somebody or you've taken something from somebody or you've lied on somebody, you've been unfaithful, is that going to affect your faith? He says, while you are standing there praying, stop right there and forgive and get it right. Why? Because if your conscience is bothering you, your faith's not going to work. Go to Matthew 5. Let me show you. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I've already shown you two or three. Here's another one. Matthew 5 and verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. Thank you, Lord, for helping us tonight. How many want your faith to work? Do you have to get your conscience clear? That means you've got to do the best you know to do. Right? The best you know. That means the best you know to make it right with people. The best you know to make it. Somebody said, well, what if they don't want to get along? Well, you can't control them, but you can do the best you know to make it right. Amen? So that your conscience is clear. Even if you don't think you care much about them, you ought to do it for yourself. So your faith will work. Hmm? And love them by faith anyhow. He said, verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar. Now here we're talking about giving again. Just like Abel brought a gift to the altar. If you're bringing your gift, that would apply to coming into church or anytime. You come in here and you got your check with you, your tithes and your offerings, and you made it out. And you come in and he said, you're sitting here and you remember that your brother has something against you. What did he say do? Well, go ahead and give, and first chance you get. Hmm? Leave your gift right there. Don't even offer it. And go your way. What's that next word? What's that next word? First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Why? Because you can't give in faith. With your heart bothering you. Because you knew you did somebody wrong. Are y'all with me tonight? You want your faith to work. So you can receive your money. And obey God. And be healed. And believe for protection over you and your, your family. And your kids. And pray for your baby's healings. And all You need your faith. Every day you need your. It's dangerous to walk around faithless. Right? Because you don't know what the devil's liable to try. But. Does it make a difference what's happening inside of you and your conscience? God won't even accept your offerings. If your heart's bothering you and your conscience is bothering you about the way you've treated folks, your, offer, your gifts, even if you write big checks, it's not acceptable. Why? Because you're not giving them in faith, believing that you're doing your best to please God. But can you get it straightened out? I said, can you get it straightened out? Is there something that will cleanse a guilty conscience? Hebrews said it's the blood. The blood can cleanse from a guilty conscience. Hallelujah. You need to go do the best you know how to do. First you need to ask God to forgive you. Amen. 
and believe that you receive and let the blood wash you and cleanse you and believe that you've received your forgiveness and then try to make it right with people the best you know. If you need to pay them back money, whatever you need to do, best you can. If you can't do anything, at least ask them to forgive you. Tell them you're sorry. Try to make it right. Tell them you care about them. You're sorry you caused them problems. Do the best you know until you get to the place where you can lay down at night and you can honestly say, I've done the best I know how to do to make it right. I've done the best I know to walk right. And then, friend, faith is going to begin to work like never before. First John 3 says that. First John 3 verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, not, not God condemning us now, our own heart is condemning us. God's greater than our heart. And he knows all things. If your heart's bothering you about it. God already knows about it. Don't try to hide it from him. He, if you know it. He knows it. And beloved. If our heart condemn us not. Then what? Oh did you get this? What if I get my heart to the place. Where it's not bothering me about anything. I can lay down at night and say, boy, there's nothing between me and God that I know of. There's nothing between me and people that I hadn't tried to make right. Best I know, my heart's clear. Then what happens? Then we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask of Him, we receive. Woo-hoo, glory to God. We're talking about your faith is in a place. Whatever you pray comes to pass. Whatever you ask for, you're receiving. Amen. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. The Lord is so good. So gracious. So wonderful. Lift up your heart and your hands before the Lord. Sit out loud. Thank you, Lord, for being my father. I'm a faith child of a faith God. You gave me the spirit of faith to work, not to be hindered, but to work anything in my life, in my heart that's bothered my conscience that's hindered me, that's held me back, reveal it to me. Help me to see it. Anything you've dealt with me about in times past that I didn't listen to you, that I didn't heed, I didn't deal with it, I didn't obey you, I didn't take care of it, I ask you to forgive me. And show me again, please. Make it plain to me, please. And I purpose, by your grace, to make it right, to get it right. Help me, Lord, to get quickly to the place where my heart does not condemn me about anything. My conscience being completely clear and that I have... And will have full confidence towards you and full faith in walking before you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Go ahead and lift your hands.
and thank the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.